Thank you guys so much. Uh, Landon texted me this morning um, that he had an eventful landing uh, in New York City. So I don't know what that means, but uh, we could keep him in, uh, in prayer. Um, and then uh, Michael Holliver, that's part of the church family here, uh, he's out uh, getting to enjoy uh, Michael's wedding and uh, have a part in that as well. And so good time uh, for your pastor to get refreshed and uh, also be a part of something that's uh, special uh, in the life of your church family here. Um, you guys, I uh, today have something uh, to, to share with you that isn't necessarily um, easy, although it's, it's relatively simple. Um, oftentimes, have you found that, that there are things that the Lord calls us to in his word that at face value, oh, okay, that makes sense. I can pull that off. I think I can do that. And uh, then you begin. Then you, you, you try. And uh, some of the simplest things are often the most difficult things. Um, what we're going to look at today comes from the book of Thessalonians. So if you have your Bible, open up to the book of 1 Thessalonians and go to chapter 5. It's near the end of your Bible uh, if you're not real familiar and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you these verses here, and then we're going to uh, backtrack and kind of unpack these uh, verse by verse as we go through uh, today. Um, and the, the cool part about these verses is um, if you're into memory verses, then these are good ones today. Uh, one, because the content of them is so good. Uh, two, because they're short, Okay, so if you have trouble uh, memorizing scripture, then uh, you're just going to get a leg up today because I know some of you had uh, Jesus wept memorized a while ago, but we're going to add some other uh, short ones to, to your, your quiver today. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. It says, rejoice always, pray constantly. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Again, you hear that, it's not rocket science. You understand what that means, what the call, what the invitation from God's word is for me and you right away. And yet, uh, to live this way um, isn't always easy, is it? There are some of you that when you hear this, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything. There are some of you that go, oh, I'm that way all the time. I've got that down. I totally understand that. There are others of you that go, I'm never that way. This is a constant struggle for me to find my joy, uh, to, to talk to God all the time, uh, to be thankful regardless of the circumstances. Uh, how many of you would, would say, honestly, you have kind of a Tigger personality? You're familiar with Tigger? Tigger, to me, uh, these are Tigger verses. The wonderful thing about Tiggers is Tigger the wonderful things. We know Tigger was always happy. He was always joyful. 
How many of you, on the other hand, go, you know what, I think if I'm honest, I'm kind of an Eeyore personality. Eeyore's kind of on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, you have Tigger that uh, is the optimist. You have Eeyore that's the pessimist. You've got Tigger that's always able to see uh, what's hopeful in any set of circumstances or situation. Uh, you've got Eeyore that's more of a realist. You know, we don't even need to polarize them too much, too harshly, because um, if I'm completely honest, I, I am an Eeyore personality. I am not a Tigger. And uh, I understand uh, where Eeyore comes from. Um, he, he's, he's got some, some wise things. He's not going to be duped uh, with what's going on around him. Uh, he is sad, but he's wrapped in this, um, uh, you know, just kind of a, a, a bummed out sort of personality, albeit he, he's, he's aware of what's going on. Tigger, on the other hand, Tigger is always happy, but sometimes I look at Tigger and I go, you're just kind of clueless. Are you aware, Tigger, of what's going on around you? Are you even aware of, of the difficulties of life and the challenges that, that come? Uh, there, there's one thing to, to be hopeful, uh, to be joyful, uh, to be thankful, regardless of the circumstances. That is something that God must produce in me and you, whether it comes naturally or not. Some of you are Tigger, some of you are Eeyore, but the most people are in the middle. And a lot of people of us in the middle are the people that say, okay, well, um, I, I can rejoice, I can pray constantly, I can give thanks and everything when the circumstances are right. But when they're not, then that's a whole different story. When the circumstances are off, then it's more challenging to rejoice. When the circumstances are off, then it's more challenging to want to talk to God all the time. When the circumstances are off, it's difficult to be thankful, right? And so all the more, when we double back to this, this reminder of how you're kind of naturally wired is worth just a pause button here to go, okay, uh, Lord, how do I come to this perspective naturally? But what I know is true for all of us is you and I don't need help. We don't need direction to rejoice and to pray constantly and give thanks and everything when things are good. We need direction and encouragement and a little bit of a push to rejoice and to pray constantly and to give thanks and everything when things are not good, when things are difficult, when things are tough. And if you pressed into the context of this letter of 1 Thessalonians, Paul wrote this letter to believers that were going through difficult times. And so by the time that he reaches these words at the end of his letter, he is trying to encourage these believers to rejoice always and to pray constantly and to give thanks in everything even in the middle of some challenging circumstances. That is a whole different ballgame. Uh, likely that 1 Thessalonians was the earliest of Paul's letters. And there is so much of Paul's heart and Paul's mind that we find in this letter to the Thessalonians. 
there were both Jewish and non-Jewish people who had come to faith in Christ in the city of Thessalonica. And as they grew in their relationship, um, then the enemy comes and wants to undo what God's been doing. Are you aware that when you grow in your relationship with Jesus, even as a church family, as God begins to stir things up, that the enemy will come and want to undo what God has been doing? The enemy won't want to come and take ground that God has been taking in your life or the life of the church. And yet we, we know that greater is he who is in us than greater is he that's in the world. We have a God that is very much aware of our circumstances. He knows the situation that you're going through individually. He's, he's not far off. He's not distant. And these Thessalonian believers were facing opposition from the outside, and they were even experiencing some friction from within. And so Paul writes this letter uh, to, to give them some stamina in their faith. Uh, there's a number of other things that he's trying to accomplish, but by the time he lands this letter, he is trying to strengthen the faith individually and in the community of believers. And, and so when, when he starts to encourage us here, in these verses in particular, it's to get at our hearts. It's to get at the inner life of the believer and all these thousands of years later, to get at the inner life of me and you is key because what Paul knew is that you and I are only as good, only as strong as our hearts. And so to have our hearts strengthened by God is something that will have tremendous ripple effects. It's one thing for you and I to rejoice or pray or be thankful out of the overflow of a heart that's already filled up, right? There are times where you rejoice and you pray and you give thanks because that's what's natural because there's so much good stuff going on in here, you can't help but rejoice. You can't help but pray. You can't help but give thanks because that's what's going on inside here. But did you know that these words, this call for me and you here from God through Paul is actually a, a step of faith that he's inviting you to take. Because sometimes we should rejoice, we should pray, we should give thanks so that our hearts can catch up. We, we do what God has called us to do first so that he begins to stir something up in our hearts and in our minds that need to be stirred up. Oh, I don't have anything to rejoice over. I don't have anything to pray about. I don't have anything to be thankful for. And God's saying, do it anyway. Rejoice anyway. Talk to me anyway. Give thanks anyway. Why? Because when we take that step of faith, that step of obedience, then it begins to do something in our hearts. 
Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything. What's the last line? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Anytime you see in the scriptures, this is God's will for you, your ears should perk up. You should lean in to God's word. Because we're always wondering, gosh, I wonder what God's will is. Here, right here, is, is a handful of direction for us about the will of Almighty God. Now, some of us, when we hear, here's God's will for you, I guess I should rejoice. I guess I should pray all the time. I guess I should give thanks regardless of the circumstances. You hear the Eeyore in there? There is a tendency to hear, this is God's will, so I should. But there's a flip side to this exact same thing. Did you know that every single time that God wills something, he makes a way for it to happen? And so when God says, this is my will for you, It's not just this is my will so you should, this is my will so you can. This is my will so you are able to. And so now the difference, uh, because of my relationship with God through Jesus Christ, I can, I am able to rejoice all the time. Because of my relationship with God through Jesus, I am able to pray constantly. Because of my relationship with God through Jesus, I am able, I can give thanks in everything. And just that subtle change of tact, it's just so refreshing to me. This is God's will, so I can do these things. Double back. Let's unpack these just verse by verse. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Super good memory verse for you. Rejoice always. Two words. You're going to have this whole thing memorized by the time that we're done. Rejoice always. Did you know that the uniqueness of Christian joy is its ability to Rise to the surface even in the middle of tough circumstances. There's a worldly joy that people can experience that is directly tied to circumstances. But the joy that Jesus has for me and you, the joy that our God has for believers, is a joy that is uh, able to be separated from whatever it is that you're going through. For those of you that have been in uh, third world countries or you've been on mission trips, I've been several times and I am always stunned to go into these places that by comparison, these people have absolutely nothing compared to us. And yet they know Jesus. And I'm always so humbled and challenged to spend time with them and to go into uh, their place of worship and gather with them. I I have been outdoors during a worship service, sitting on a stump, a log that's covered in red ants, surrounded by these other believers, and they'll worship 
musically, they'll worship, diving into the word of God, not for 45 minutes, but for two or three hours. And I'll just be stunned by their joy, their hope that they have, even though uh, materially they don't even have uh, anything close to what we have. I'm stunned by that. Now, does that mean that they they're, don't ever struggle in their journey? No, I'm sure they do. But they have learned something that their joy isn't found in their stuff. Their joy isn't found in their circumstances. In some ways, they haven't been burdened with all the material stuff that you and I are that kind of competes for our attention or our affections. It's tough to have that sort of joy always. But you and I can, my friends, you and I can have that sort of joy. We can rejoice always when we find our joy in him, not in our circumstances. Some of you are those sorts of people. I know because I hear about it from Landon. I hear that you're those sorts of people that really have a a relationship with Jesus that means something. You have a relationship with Jesus that means more to you than anything else in your world. And trials come, you're facing difficult things, and you, you, it's not like you're oblivious to it, you're aware, but your joy isn't found ultimately in those things or in your circumstances. Your joy is found in the fact that your creator, your maker, loves you more than you can possibly imagine. Your joy is in a living, breathing relationship with your Savior. You and I can rejoice always. That's the call we are able to. Verse 17 then, here's another two words for you to memorize. Pray constantly. Now these start to build on each other. Pray uh, constantly. It kind of makes sense. If uh, Jesus, if God Almighty is the source of joy for your life, then it makes sense that you would want to talk to him all the time, right? If he is your source of joy, then I, I want to commune with him. I want to communicate with him. I want to talk to him, not just a, around a meal, but constantly. Other translations say without ceasing or continually. What a privilege that is. You don't have to go through someone else. You don't even know how to pray a certain thing at a certain time. God says, come to me anyway, and I'll translate on your behalf, because God knows what you need even before you speak it. You and I can pray constantly. And what an invitation that is to be able to pray constantly. If you start to think about what that would mean is you can pray right here and right now, even as you're listening. You can pray when you're here. You can pray when you're not here. You can pray when you're together. You can pray when you're alone. You can pray when you're driving somewhere. You can pray when you're in school or at work. You can pray out in nature. You can pray anytime, any place, 
if the call is, the invitation is from God, pray constantly, then that what tells me is that my voice isn't necessarily the most essential part of my prayer. I can pray out loud or I can pray quietly in my spirit. My, my place isn't the primary essential part of prayer. I can pray here or I can pray while I'm driving down the road. My posture isn't even the primary part of prayer if I can pray constantly. I can pray down on my knees. I can pray with my eyes closed and my head bowed. I can pray standing up. I can pray eyes wide open, which is what makes me able to drive down the road and pray. Because if you try to pray while you're driving with your eyes closed and your head's bowed, it's not going to be a good time. I don't care how much you're praying. It's not going to end well for you. You can pray constantly, though. And in and, and, and so doing, it's like we lift our heart up to God in prayer. A heart that may have legitimate issues going on. A life that may circumstantially be going through legitimate challenges and hardships, just like these believers in Thessalonica. They were facing legitimately difficult circumstances. But how even more important was for them to rejoice in their relationship with Jesus and then to talk to him constantly. When I'm talking to God all the time, it has a way of drawing my attention up to him rather than on the stuff, on the circumstances, on the hardships. And that's a constant call in scripture. To have my attention on Jesus. And also to put my heart before him and lift it up to him and say, I don't like what's going on in my heart. I don't like what's going on in my life. It's not ignoring that there's difficult things. It's just saying, I'm going to take the difficult things and put them before the one who can do something about it. And linking these together, it makes me wonder Rejoice always, pray constantly. It makes me wonder if I were rejoicing all the time that it would lead to a constant heart of prayer and vice versa. If I'm in constant prayer, might that lead me to rejoicing all the time? Maybe, I think so. Rejoice always, pray constantly, and then here's the one none of us want to hear or talk about. Verse 18, give thanks in everything. Give thanks in everything. You talk about a heart set and mindset that begins to shift here. When we're rejoicing all the time, finding our joy in him, not our circumstances, when we're praying constantly, in and through whatever it is that we're going through. And then we have an attitude of thankfulness regardless of the circumstances. Give thanks in everything. What, what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? I know when I throw that question out there, there's immediately a handful of really good things that come to mind, I'm sure. What are you thankful for? 
But what if I ask you, um, what if God took away everything in your life that you have not thanked him for? Now, he's not going to do that. But that reframes a whole lot of things. Or I start getting really thankful for things like air, (laughs) a church family, freedom. Goodness gracious, the list goes on and on. And suddenly, uh, I don't have a journal big enough or enough uh, paper and pen to jot down the things that I should be, could be thankful for. Give thanks in everything. Now, what I love about the scripture is the specifics. Uh, there's some specifics here in the language that help us an awful lot out because when I say give thanks in everything, um, I know that you can think up some things that you've gone through that you go, there's no way I'm going to be thankful for that. I've, I've sat bedside and watched uh, little kids pass away, um, watched real trauma and hardship hit the life of my family, Uh, hit your lives, the lives of people I care about. I've seen real evil be done in the world around us. At certain certain seasons in my life, I'm sure I have even uh, partnered up with evil. And so hear me clearly, I'm not saying that you should give thanks for evil. Uh, God is not the one who's dispensing evil. We have an enemy that's really good at that, and we live in a sinful, broken world. But what I'm blown away with is what God can do in and through and during you and I experiencing some really disgusting, evil, hurtful things. When you've lost a loved one, when you've experienced a trial and a hardship, something's happened to you, There is something, there's an opportunity there for you and I to learn something, to grow, to be changed, to be made aware of parts of us or parts of the character and nature of God that we just cannot be made aware of in other circumstances, situations. When things are great, it's often very difficult to grow. But when things are tough, oftentimes God pulls me in. He's got my attention. And I know that's the case for many of you. Much less than it's not just happening to you. Maybe you've engaged in stuff that wasn't the best, the sinful moment. And even then, have you ever experienced the mercy of God in your own life? His grace given to you when you didn't deserve it? Have you ever experienced his patience with you? his goodness to you. And I love those sorts of moments too. When I stop and think about it, there is so much that I can be thankful for. That's why I like here that it says, give thanks in everything. It doesn't say give thanks for everything. I can always find something to be uh, thankful about even when circumstances are an absolute nightmare. Because even the rough patches of your life and my life 
can be used for our spiritual well-being. They can. It's God's sovereign hand that is at work. If you really believe that God is in charge and in control and sovereign, then you know that even when circumstances are difficult, his sovereign hand is still at work. It's not karma. It's not fate. It's not chance. You have a God that is always in control. And he has made a way for me and you to still rejoice and still pray and to still give thanks regardless of the circumstances. And when I do, when I choose to rejoice, when I choose to pray, when I choose to be thankful, It shifts my focus from what I don't have to what I do have. It shifts my focus to the ultimate source of joy and goodness. Rather than my focus being on a person or a circumstances or on myself. And that is always a good shift in focus. If I had to say it, guess at it, Uh, to me, these three verses, it's like verse 16 had a baby with verse 17, and the baby was verse 18. I don't know which is the mom and the which is the dad, but it's like uh, rejoicing and prayer had a baby, and the baby was thankfulness, gratitude. We call her thanks for short. When you take that step and choose by God's grace and by the power of his Holy Spirit to find your joy in him and talk to him constantly, it will produce a heart in you of gratitude and thankfulness regardless of what it is that you're going through. And when things are pressing in from the outside or difficult on the inside, God will use that to uh, bless you and bless the people around you. Could I, could I pray for you? I just jotted down a, a prayer for us that I would just love to pray over you. And maybe just invite the Lord to, uh, to work on your heart and your soul in these areas of rejoicing always and praying always and giving thanks always. Taking that step and then just seeing what he does in your heart and in your life as we take that step with him. Let's pray. We thank you, God. Not for all the evil and sin around, but for what you do in making us more dependent on you as we endure the evil and the hardship or even participate in some of that evil. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you, God, for teaching us about Jesus' strength when we are weak. Thank you, God, for working your sovereign plan 
Thank you, God, for our salvation. Thank you, God, that this is not all that there is. We thank you, God, that this is not the end. And so, Father, we just praise you. We ask that you would help those that are here today struggling through a legitimately difficult season. Would you shift their focus off of their circumstances no matter how tough they are? Shift their focus onto you. Help them find their joy in who you are and in their relationship with you. And then gracious heavenly Father, prompt us often to talk to you, to pray to you, to listen to you. Help us be in constant communication and tuned in to you. Father, when you stir us up maybe at 2.14 in the morning and we can't fall back asleep, would you prompt us then to use those restless hours in the middle of the night to pray? to talk to you and to listen to you. And then, Father, would you help us all to be thankful? Remind us often of the things that we do have, the things that you have given us, the promises that you have made to us. Shift our hearts, shift our minds, shift our perspectives that it may produce a different heart in us, a different attitude in us, and may that reflect you and bring glory to you and be a blessing to the people around us. We lift our voices to you now as a way to rejoice in you, to make this song a prayer to you, to worship you, knowing that to thank you is to worship you, God. And so we do that right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we continue on with our worship, um, we're going to enter into a time of response. And um, bear with me as I navigate through this land and does it so well. Um, first, I'm thankful for God's forgiveness because his name is Ron and not Don. So I want to deeply apologize for that. I walked off stage and was just mortified. Um, but as we continue with our worship, there are three ways that, that we respond. The first is through reflection. And Ron has done such a great job of leading us through that already. And it, let's continue on with that. And whatever that means, if you want to grab someone within your community or someone within the congregation to pray with or to take a moment to step aside and just pray as we continue to worship, um, you're welcome to do that. Um, the second is through communion. And uh, that is a way that we take a moment to remember what Jesus has done for us in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the battle, that his body was broken. His blood was shed for us. And so we've got stations throughout um, that are available for you to come up and just take the bread and dip it into the, um, the uh, grape juice and, um, and, and, and remember 
in that moment, the significance of that sacrifice for us. And then the last is, is through giving. And we're generous because of how generous God is for us. And, um, and that opportunity of everything that we have is already his. And so it's an opportunity for us to respond and return back, give back in faith. And uh, the way that we give, it's one area that God says we can test him in. And so um, it's an opportunity for us to enter in that. So as we continue to worship, please um, feel free to um, enter into your response time through one of those three off, um, modes. <laughs>